So in terms of giving, one of the easiest ways for you to do that is through our uh, electronic giving capacity. If you are on our website at uh, livinghope.com forward slash this Sunday, you'll see the giving portion there. And I would encourage you to, to use that. You can, of course, mail in your gifts. But let me remind you how important it is that we give in this season, that we be mindful of the needs that exist in our city and our world. Um, even this morning as we were talking with staff, we were mindful of needs that exist that we have the opportunity to, to provide. So again, give, give generously and, and be mindful of, of God's work in the world that, that we get to be a part of. Thank you so much for joining us in, in this time of worship. I know it's different. Uh, be encouraged to know that our missionaries who are, who are actually joining in with us this morning, this is quite normal for them. They, they are regularly in homes and they are regularly in these kinds of environments. And, and so we're having something of a missional moment uh, and, and it is a, a great opportunity for us to be mindful and grateful uh, for technology and for uh, the ability to, to even gather and to even have this as a resource. Now, uh, as far as the, the message this morning, we're going to stay in series. We are going to continue on with what uh, God has provided for us to, to know and to, to pursue and to be aware of. We're, we're talking about having 2020 vision this year, and we're... We're seeking out who God is. And so we're saying, come see what God can do. We know what God can do. We know that God can change lives, that he can take what is dead and bring it to life. He can take what is broken, he can heal it. He can transform uh, what is sick and what is far away and he can, he can make it right and he can bring it close. And for those of us who have experienced the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to to make an impact in our world. And so we, we talk about this simply as impacting our homes and our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And so we're in a series right now where we're talking about the home and we're talking about how crucial it is and, and how ironic it is to us anyway that, that here we are in homes all over our city and all over the world and, and we're thinking through how God is at work and, and he is at work. Friends, this is, a, this is a historic moment. You know, there are gonna be many springs that are gonna come and go over our lifetimes, Lord willing, and we will forget them. I don't think we're going to forget the spring of 2020. I believe this will be a spring that is spoken of in the days ahead. This is historic. And in these kinds of moments, uh, the church can shine brightest. When there is darkness, there is such a need for light. And we have the privilege to know the light of the world and to be his light. And I want to encourage you, members of Living Hope, to shine. To shine for one another. Be sure that you are regularly checking on those that you serve with, those that you're in small group with, those that you are in connection with within our congregation. Please look after one another. Be mindful of your neighbors. Many of you have called and said, how can we serve? How can we serve the city? We'll be getting information to you on that in the days ahead. As the needs arrive, we are in conversations with uh, city officials and uh, mindful of that. We're, 
We're also mindful there's needs around the world. And even this morning talking with uh, Pastor Clay, our global impact pastor, and looking at opportunities there and need for sustenance and assistance there. Friends, there's so much going on right now that one of the greatest things we can be doing is praying and just caring for one another and caring specifically for our neighbors. There are people all around you. Your mission field is where you are. Many of you are in your homes. Be mindful of those who are around you. Check on the elderly. Uh, Take the time to get to know folks you haven't met yet. Look after them, care for them, shepherd them, love them with the love of Jesus. That's your mission field. That's where God has called you to. Those are your neighbors. Impact your neighbors with the hope of Jesus. This is our moment. Let's shine, let's shine bright. Again, as opportunities come up, we'll let you know, but we also wanna hear from you. If there, there is a, a, a serious sickness, if there is serious illness, we need to know about it. Not that we can do anything necessarily. We can't go to hospitals now, um, but what we can do is pray and we can certainly give calls of encouragement. So use that info at lhbg.org. Use that as a resource to know how to get information to us. Again, it's real simple, info at lhbg.org. And that lets us know, hey, what's going on? Again, any serious concerns, any serious sickness, let us know so that we can be praying. And so our, our entire body of believers can be there for one another. As you, as you talk with your neighbors, as you talk with one another, talk of the hope that we have. There's, there's plenty of information out there to discourage us. Let's talk about the hope we have and let's live out the hope we have. I was encouraged to hear a story about one of our members who came from the, from the hospital at the end of uh, this last week and needed help. And so uh, one of her sisters in Christ went and did her grocery shopping for her. Again, they're in community with one another. They know one another. They trust one another. They've built a relationship with one another. And so it was very easy for them to love one another in this way. I was excited uh, to hear Pastor Bill this week. He uh, was, was uh, able to share with someone, a, a cashier, a, a business that he frequents and wanting to somehow uh, let this person know that, that he cares about her and wanting her to know the hope that he has in Jesus Christ. The conversation just uh, yielded itself uh, for them to speak of the reality of uh, what's happening in our world, the the pain and the seriousness of death. And he was able to talk about his hope and how he, he doesn't fear death because he knows his savior and he's confident of what is to come. And she was able to say, oh, I, I have that confidence as well. And so had this moment of celebration, but others were listening, others were hearing this hope. Make sure that your conversations are filled with hope, with gospel, with the reality of who God is and what he's done. Now, we, we do want to utilize as much of this time as we can. We understand some of you are extremely busy and we're praying for you. And as you have needs, let us know how to be praying specifically. We also know that there are gonna be a lot of kids at home, that there are gonna be a possibility for quite a bit of downtime. We wanna take advantage of this time and we wanna train as many as possible in three big things. I talked about this last Sunday. Uh, we, we got together as a staff this morning. If you want to be trained in this, again, let us know. Uh, we're gonna be contacting uh, our first tier leaders as we call them. And, and lets us uh, 
you know, basically take the, the teaching and spread it through. But if you're available and you're willing to be faithful and you're willing to reproduce and you're willing to be teachable, let us know. Again, the way you do that is through the uh, info at lhbg.org. Let us know, hey, I want to be trained. And one of our leadership will contact you and begin this process of not only three big things, but also the disciples' life, which is the, the core curriculum for what it means to live out your relationship with God as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So here we are in this series, and we're, we're talking about how homes are made healthy, and how hilarious is it that many of you are sitting right there in your homes, and already there's been instruction and training and challenge uh, from the Word of God in how to, to make the most of these opportunities. You know, God made us to be in families, and when homes are healthy, societies are healthy. The healthier the home in a culture, the healthier that culture will be. And so we're, we're seeking to understand what does God want for us in this? How do we experience this? Now, last week, we learned about biblical milestones. We, we looked at these key experiences that every disciple of Jesus Christ is to have and that families, moms and dads, grandparents are to ensure that, that children understand and, and are able to walk through them. Now, today we're going to learn how to cultivate our hearts in Christ. Every life is, is shaped by their heart. The, the, the life, the health of, of, of a life comes from the health of a heart. And the, the Bible speaks of the heart as, as the true identity of who we are. You think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What's he saying there? He's saying, well, they may say that they love me. They may say that they care about me, but what does their heart say? What he's saying there is the heart is their true identity. Their heart is their true sense of being. And the heart is the basic fundamental aspect of who we are according to God's word. And so we've got to be mindful of our heart. As a matter of fact, the Proverbs tell us, Proverbs 4.23 tells us that you're to keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. We have to protect our heart. We have to cultivate our heart. We have to be mindful of the importance of our heart, and we need to be willing to, to be able to do everything that God says. Now, our text today reveals how God changes our hearts and, and provides the ability to pursue and recover God's design. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is, is one of the Old Testament prophets. Um, if you'll go to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably hit Psalms or, or maybe Jeremiah or Isaiah. The, it's to the right, all right? It's to the right of the Psalms. It's to the right of Isaiah. It's to the right of Jeremiah. Uh, Lamentations is kind of the, the speed bump before you get to Ezekiel. We're gonna be in Ezekiel chapter 36. And so wherever you are, let's all stand together in honor of God's word. I'm gonna read, uh, I know that's so strange to hear me read God's word, but I'm gonna read uh, the scripture and here's what I would like you to do. I'd like for you to read out loud with me. Now I'm gonna preach specifically uh, uh, verses uh, uh, 26 and 27, 25, 26, 27, but I wanna start in, in verse 22 to get some of the context that I'm gonna speak to in just a moment. So here we are, Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. 
and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. This is the, the word to that time. Now here's the promise that applies to us today. Uh, beginning in, in uh, I'm sorry, that's not quite, verse 25 is one more. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Okay, that is to the, the people of the exile. Now to us, the promise, the promise begins here in verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated wherever you are. Last week we were in 1 Samuel 3, and in 1 Samuel 3 we were introduced to the prophet Samuel, of course, who was the one who anointed the first kings of Israel. First he anointed Saul, and Saul was rejected. God chose David. From the line of David, there were the kings of Judah who were the, the ones that God was going to bring the Messiah through. And so we are soon introduced in First and Second Kings to all these kings. Uh, the kings of Judah are in particular are the ones that we need to be mindful of. These are the ones that, uh, that were blessed according to the promise of Israel all the way back in the end of Genesis, as we talked about last Sunday. So what we see happening, though, is we see uh, this blessing uh, of God for his people so long as they walked in accordance to his word and his covenant. But they didn't keep his covenant. They built this temple, but they were not faithful. And, and over time, they began to wander from the way and they lost hope and they lost faith and culture deteriorated to the point that God brought the, the judgment of God. And there was an exile. God just allowed the, the temple to be destroyed and the people were sent and they were scattered. Ezekiel is ministering during this time. Ezekiel was called by God in this very difficult season to speak the truth of God. And what he in essence is saying to the people is, God is gonna work and God is speaking. And he's, what he's saying is he's gonna do this for his glory because he promised it. It's not because you're great. It's not because you're good. It's not about you at all. It's about the glory of God. It's about his purpose in the world that he promised that he would do. Now, Ezekiel, his... His ministry, chapter one, verse one, he was probably about 30 years old. It was probably around uh, 593 BC. His ministry ended uh, 22 years later in 571. Now in between 593 and 571, something catastrophic happened. 586, the temple was destroyed. In, in that season of time, there was an exile. Uh, the, the leaders of Babylon brought the people of Israel, the leaders into Babylon, into this, this godless place. And, and it is there that we believe uh, Ezekiel was taken. Now he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. We don't know if he knew the prophet Jeremiah, but we are certain that he was aware of Jeremiah's prophecies because he seems to, to indicate that in, in his writings. And so this is a tumultuous time that Ezekiel is preaching into. He's calling the people to faithfulness, but it's a message of hope. 
And that's what we need to, to hang our hats on because this message of hope, it applies to us of what God can do. He was speaking to an exilic people, but he was pointing them to the future. God wasn't done with them yet because God wasn't done with his glory. God had a purpose that was bigger than them. He was going to work through them for his glory. So our text today, it points to the great promise, one of the great promises of God, and that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come after him. Go and read that sometime, John chapter 14 through 16. And he spoke plainly that the Spirit of God would come in such a powerful way that he would enable us to be born again. Go and read about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter three. And so this promise that we're seeing in our text today, this was, this was crazy. I mean, what he was talking about you know, you think about to, to, the, to those who didn't have the context of what we know in the New Testament, this sounded outrageous. What, what he was talking about, friends, bottom line, it's miraculous, supernatural. It's not something that human beings could do. This is something only God could do. I mean, this would be like us trying to explain to people who'd never seen a phone what a phone is. I mean, I, I, some of you can remember rotary phones. Uh, I, I don't know, kids, if you remember these. We used to use these to call people, all right? And if you ever seen one of these and you're stuck somewhere and you don't know what to do, you put your finger in there and you go to that number and, and, and to that little thing and it kind of dials it up. But nowadays we have these great smartphones, but you can imagine, you know, back in this day, trying to explain how to use one of these. I can remember, as a matter of fact, when uh, as a staff, we, uh, we began to use smartphones. Oh, I can't imagine how many years, at least 10 years ago when the first iPhones came out and they were trying to explain to me how you touch the screen. That made no sense to me. What do you mean you touch the screen? Aren't you supposed to push the button like three times just to get to the letter C to make a text? No, 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 no. And so they had to kind of explain to me how in the world this thing works. So it is with our scripture today. You can imagine the people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are we gonna relate to God? What's gonna be our reality? How does God work? Well, it's miraculous. What God is doing, it's unlike anything he's ever done. What God does to make his, his own people, his own people is mind blowing. He must do it. And God really does give new life. He really does give a new heart. And families who have experienced this new life, this new birth, well, they're healthy. They have healthy homes. Now, let's see why. Based on our text today, three things I would encourage you to take note. And again, you can take note at uh, living, uh, livehopeful.com forward slash this Sunday. There's actually a place that you can click on and you can take notes and email them to yourself if you're not already doing this. First thing to note is this. Homes are made healthy when the heart of a person is cleansed by God's grace. The prophet said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. This is what God says through the prophet. And this has been God's plan from the beginning. God, God knows what we are because of what we've done. We've all sinned and this sin has made us dirty with sin. And although we have the power to understand it's wrong, we don't have the capacity to avoid it. We are a fallen race. We are a fallen people. God knew that. And so God in his grace chose to intervene in our reality. That's, 
That's the gospel. God did not abandon us in our sin. Instead, he came to die for our sins, to defeat death, to be raised so that we could know him and love him. And that can only happen if we will repent and believe. We understand God's word. We understand God's word teaches us that he created all things, but there was a fall but he did not abandon us. He's chosen to come and, and to, to rescue us and he will restore all things. Now God's design, we've lost because of sin, because of brokenness. We can repent and believe the gospel and we can have new life. This is the will of God, but we must make that choice. We must choose to trust in Jesus Christ rather than ourselves. We must choose to believe that when he died, he took our penalty, that because he's been raised, we can have new life. We can look to him if we try, if we try to get to God on our own, if we try to get through life on our own, if we try to do it on our own, we will fail. Sadly, some fail and don't even know it. They're proud of themselves for no reason. They're kind of like Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, some of you uh, Clemson fans will remember uh, this story. Ray Ray had, uh, had received a punt and after dodging many defenders and making his way to the end zone, he actually dropped the ball before crossing the end zone, which removed the score and cost them points. We all drop the ball. None of us can cross the finish line. None of us can make the score because we always fumble. We always sin. We always fall short. And some don't even know it. There are some who wrongly think, I've got this, I can do this, I'm capable on my own, friends. No, we've all sinned, we all need grace. Now, sadly, some fail and they know it and they often live in despair. Uh, many of you baseball fans, you, you know the sad story of Bill Buckner, especially those of you who are Red Sox fans, those of you who are Yankee fans, just remember, we, we don't really care for you, but, Grace allows us to, all right? But you know the story of Bill Buckner and you laugh. Bill Buckner was a first baseman in October, 1986. This guy's on first base and it's an important game, 10th inning, it's late at night. It's a routine ground ball. It's not even a, a big deal, but he misses it. It goes straight through his legs and they lose the game and they turn around and they lose the series. This guy knew he blew it. And there was a lot of despair. And there was a lot of pain. And friends, that was just a baseball game. Listen, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've missed the routine grounder. Simply loving God, loving our, our neighbors as ourselves. We've all dropped that ball. Some of us don't even know it. Many of us do. We've missed that routine grounder. And and because of that, we have a broken relationship with God. Romans 3.23 says it, says it quite quite plainly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. We've all sinned, but we have a great savior. And if we will repent and believe the gospel, the gospel tells us something wonderful. This is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us. He will make us right with him. He will give us a new life. Those who are cleansed have peace with God. And those who have peace with God have peace within. And those who have peace with God and peace within, well, we have peace with others, which makes our families healthy. Those 
families that are made up of of people who individually have repented and believed the gospel. There is a new reality that we get to live in. Colossians chapter three, beginning in verse 12, speaks to that reality. It's one that we need to hold to very closely, especially in these times when we're kind of together and on uh, spending so much time in our homes. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, Patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The cleansing work of Christ gives us a right standing with God because he forgives us. And because he forgives us, we can forgive ourselves. And because we have been forgiven by God and we, we know it as well with our soul, we can forgive others. In these days, our neighbors need to hear this. We need to be reminded of this. We need to reveal this. Secondly, take note. Homes are made healthy when the heart of a person is created new by God's power. He says here in verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now the new heart stands for the the new whole nature God gives. When we are saved, we, we have a whole new identity, a whole new reality, a whole new way of being. It's a new spirit. Uh, a new spirit indicates the, the new governing power of how we think, what we choose, how our mind works. It directs our thoughts and our conduct. It is no longer a heart of flesh, a heart uh, that, that, I'm sorry, it is a heart of flesh, a heart that is pliable and responsible. It's not a heart of stone. That's what's removed. It's the stone, the heart that says, I will not, I will not turn. I will not trust. No, God gives us a heart that says, change me, God. Work in my life. Conform me to the image of Christ. And this is the power of the new covenant. Again, this is promised This was promised by the prophet that was prophesying during the same time as Ezekiel, the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31, we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and, and, and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall know me for the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is true for all who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the promise that we get to experience. New life, new relationship, new heart, new reality. It makes us new. This new life that we're given in Christ, it gives us a new purpose, a new ministry. We understand this from the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter five, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So not only has God given us a new life, we're a new creation, he's given us a new purpose, and that is to bring his message of reconciliation. And we are to exhibit it as much as we speak it, and we are to certainly speak it as much as we exhibit it, reminding the reality of God's grace given to all who will believe. All who repent and believe the gospel are free to pursue and recover God's design. Again, we talk about three big things here. We talk about how when you repent and believe the gospel, it allows you to recover and pursue God's design. And a part of that pursuit is impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. We have that opportunity right now. We have that goal right now to be able to say, Lord, I'm trusting you to do this. I'm I am pursuing, I'm recovering your design. I'm going to let other people know what you've done. I'm going to celebrate your great grace in my life. Finally, our text shows us homes are made healthy when the heart of a person is committed to God's glory. Again, the text begins really speaking in verse 22 of God's motive. It really is, it really is more about him than it is us. But when we're committed to his glory, we recognize why God gave us his spirit. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue, statutes and, and be careful to obey my rules. See, when we gain this new life given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, it changes how we live. The way we live says a lot to other people about our God. Those of you who have young children, I know the pain that you sometimes feel when your children throw a fit publicly. We now have three wonderful children that I'm glad I kept, but there were days when I thought about not wanting to keep them, um, discussed it at times with them, but didn't, never did, never gave them up. But I can tell you there were some days in stores where I thought, if I walk away, I can act like they're not my child, right? And I can, I can just kind of pretend I'll pick them up later at the police station maybe, but that would probably be wrong. So what, what, what we had to do though is we had to endure because we love them. We had to endure and, and care for them. And, and I believe our father often does that with many of us, his children. Uh, but what he wants us to do is to trust him and in trusting him, because we know him, we love him. And because we love him, we obey him. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's a simple way of understanding this. There's a simple catechism, a little formula that, that I like to use. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. The problem with most of us is not willpower, it's love power. We, we need to focus on how good and how great our God is so that we love him more and more in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more we do that, the more we will honor him and bring glory to his name. Moms and dads, we have this responsibility to discipline our children and it's a difficult chore. It's not always easy to do. Uh, we are called to it, but we must do it in such a way that it does not discourage or provoke them to anger. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we have to be mindful of what they're experiencing, what their maturity can handle, how it is they 
can take the, the, the talk that we're going to give them. The good news is that we have the model of the most perfect father there has ever been and ever will be. God is the perfect father. And God, in his love for us, he disciplines us. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse five. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? When we sin, God lovingly, disciplines us. Sometimes it's by allowing us to walk through the, the consequences of our sin. Sometimes it's by bringing a heavy burden of, of conviction onto us. Sometimes it's just allowing us just to walk in our nonsense and, and then have to live with the anxiety and the, and the care and concern for taking you know, responsibility for our lives rather than looking to the Lord and his guiding hand. God is willing to bless us if we will trust him. God is willing to strengthen our homes and make us healthy if we will trust him, if we will turn to him. It's a choice. It's a choice each individual heart can make. Boys and girls, your mom and dad cannot trust God for you. You must trust the Lord. Those of you who've been raised in the church, maybe you've been around religious uh, talk, institutions, conversations, until you repent and believe the gospel in your own heart, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life because of his payment for your sin on the cross and his resurrection from death, giving you new life. Friends, until you experience that personally on your own, you are lost without hope in the world. But that can change right now. You can believe. And for those who have believed, you can be renewed in this belief. I know this is an anxious time. I know there are a lot of questions, great concern all over our planet. God is in control. We can trust his plan in this time. He has a purpose. He's working it for good. We can look to him with hope. So long as we have peace with God, so long as we know he is Lord of our life, as so long as we are walking in his way. This morning, as we close, I want to encourage you to give consideration to your relationship with God and pray through this. And so wherever you are in the world right now, if you can, close your eyes and bow your head and let's pray together. Father God, you are so good and you have the power to transform lives. We look to you, God. We ask you to intervene. Father, there are some listening even right now who have never repented and believed the gospel. But right now, Holy Spirit, you are bringing conviction, the realization of the seriousness of their situation. If you right there, no matter where you are, if you would like to right now repent and believe the gospel, say something like this to God. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I believe Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I believe that you are God. I trust you with my life. Holy Spirit, take over. Fill me, seal me 
that I might live for the glory of my Father who is God. If you prayed that, you were saved. If you were saved, but your light is not shining bright, if you're not bringing glory to God in the way in which you are living, right now, confess that in your heart. Renew your faith walk with God your Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to him now. Repent. Renew. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's because you've been forgiven. And as a forgiven person, you're called to forgive. You're called to seek forgiveness. If there's anyone you need to forgive, do it now in your heart before you have the conversation. If you need to seek forgiveness of another, ask God now to enable you to do that. Ask God to allow you the humility to give forgiveness or to receive forgiveness. And then today have a conversation with that person and ask God to bring peace. As we close today, we're going to pray. Our denomination has provided an outline of a prayer. Today is a day of prayer. Our president has called us to pray. Before that, our God has called us to pray. And we have a, a wonderful way of, of doing that. Four things. The first is this. Ask God in his mercy to stop this pandemic and save lives not only in our communities, but around the world, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with the virus. Pray for President Donald Trump and other government leaders, international, federal, state, and local, to have the wisdom to direct us in the best course of action for prevention and care. Scripture says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Pray that the Lord will give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know are shaken, that others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is, and they would see their need to turn to God. Ask God to protect our missionaries and their families around the globe, using this global crisis to advocate his gospel, his good news to the whole world. Father, we do, we pray for the advancement of your gospel in our hearts, in our homes, in our neighbors, in every generation, throughout the world. Bring glory to your name. Fulfill your promise. Do your work. I pray that today your word 
has gone down deep into our hearts and minds, deep into our soul, cutting us, working surgically to remove that which causes the sickness, the pain, the hurt, and the fear. Fill us with hope, God, knowing that you are in control, that you have a plan for all things. We love you, God. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that you will know that he has turned his eyes upon you to give you peace. And I pray that you will be people of peace, that you will go and care for one another, that you will care for your neighbors, that you will live on mission. If you have serious needs, if you have questions, concerns, contact us at info at lhbg.org or on any of our social media outlets. There are contact uh, informations that are there on our website and you're certainly welcome to use any of those. Thank you again for joining us. Look forward to talking with many of you this week. And if I don't have that privilege, I look forward to worshiping with you next Sunday at 11 o'clock here. The Lord bless you and keep you. You are dismissed. Go and impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus.